This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This week, I'm going to be digging into physical play, in particular hitting, and the number of penalties received. Is there a relationship? Do players that hit more receive more time in the sin bin? I'm going to be joined by TJ and Grumpy Old Man from Never Say Die Podcast. We're going to be talking about the Islanders. This is Ice Analytics. Welcome to episode number 18 of Ice Analytics. I am your host, Matthew Arp. Hope everybody is staying safe out there. We survived another week. Truth be told, I'm sitting on a mountain of data from Natural Stat Trick and Evolving Hockey, and I'm just grinding out different topics at this point, bringing you interesting insights and analysis from the data. Speaking of interesting insights and analysis, if you haven't already, Go check out the Twitter, at Ice Analytics. I put together some rate charts, some annual rates of production charts that look at player production based on the goals above replacement model that Evolving Hockey has, looking at per 60 rates. I'm going through the entire league in reverse standing order and trying to identify some of the sleepers, some of the players that could be on the come, or some players that we think of as elite that are only elite because of the ice time they get. So there's definitely some advantages at looking at rates and identifying some some gems out there. And I urge you, if you're interested in learning more about this, go check out at Ice Analytics on the Twitter. Got daily posts coming at you, which is all building up to the big Tableau release. I've got this data going back to 2007, and I put together some pretty cool visualizations and interactive stuff that I think you'll enjoy. That'll be dropping on the website very shortly. You can find that at www.statsenforcer.com. Okay, now that the shameless plug is over, on this week's Number Crunch, I'm going to be diving into the relationship between penalties and hits. I'm not sure what to expect here, but we've all heard this narrative that some players have a reputation for being dirty and are therefore penalized at higher rates and unfairly punished. And on this week's Stat Chat, I'm joined by TJ and the grumpy old man from the Never Say Die podcast, an Islanders fan podcast. And we're going to be talking about the Islanders and in particular, Matt Martin and Ross Johnston, two players that are crushing the league in hits, no pun intended. All right, well, I wanted to look into the relationship between the number of hits a player doles out and the number of times they are penalized per game. You know, the refs are human too, and ever since the instigator rule was instituted, it's really up to the officials to regulate the flow of the game. The league has made a concerted effort to remove fighting from the game of hockey as best they could and put the game into the hands of the officials. And not all hits are dirty obviously. But I did want to see if there was any sort of relationship between players that have potential reputation for getting a little physical, and then they get additional penalties called against them. We all know that there are certain players out there with this bad reputation. You know the kind of players I'm talking about, Tom Wilson, you know, and, you know, certain players may be unfairly punished. I'm trying to figure this out, see if there's something to it. So let's start by looking at hits leaders based on hits per 60 at even strength the past three seasons. 
There's a bunch of familiar names near the top of the list. Ryan Reeves, Matt Martin, Cody McLeod have been in the top five the past three seasons. There's a few newcomers to this list in recent years, including William Carrier uh, from the Vegas Golden Knights, who has established himself as a fierce hitter last year, shattering the single-season record of over 31 hits per 60 minutes. Fun fact for you, though, all of these players in the top five have switched teams at least once during this five-year time period. McLeod went from Colorado to Nashville to the Rangers, back to Nashville. Matt Martin went from Toronto to the Islanders. And Ryan Reeves went from St. Louis to Pittsburgh to Vegas. So those are our hits leaders. Now, what about penalty leaders based on total penalties per 60 minutes? Now, you may be asking yourself, why am I talking about total penalties as opposed to penalty minutes? The problem with looking at penalty minutes is that that number is going to be overly inflated because of fighting majors. I mean, when you're getting five minutes for getting into a fight, we know some of these names like Ryan Reese and Tom Wilson get into a lot of fights, and therefore they're going to have inflated PIMS. I don't necessarily care about the number of PIMS, and I really don't want this to... I don't want fighting majors to dilute our sample. So I'm just looking at the number of penalties. So a fight would equal a two minute or a double minor. They're all going to be the same. It's all going to count as one called penalty. Luke Witkowski and Cody McLeod are the only two players to rank in the top five multiple seasons. Most of these names at the top of the the penalties list are rotating doors. And these are not established NHL players and I guess what we can learn from this is taking a bunch of penalties isn't a good way to stay in the lineup I mean that makes logical sense so what about the relationship between hits and the number of penalties well first off it is statistically significant that hits account for about 20% of all the variation in the number of penalties received but there's a few really interesting outliers Michael Haley in 2017 and 18 had almost three penalties called against him per 60 minutes, most in the past three years. But the guy only averaged 13 hits per per 60, which, yeah, sure, was in the top quarter of the league, but to be shattering the record of number of penalties per 60, that's an interesting one. How about Malkin? Evgeny Malkin has been in the top 10% of penalties called per 60. He's had somewhere between at least 1 to 1.7 penalties called against him but the guy has never even eclipsed three hits per 60. I mean, I'm guessing stick infractions may be the problem since we know he's not dropping the gloves, but Malkin gets penalized a lot. Ryan Reeves, on the other hand, has figured out a way to hit more over the past three seasons while taking less penalties. You know, back three years ago, he averaged 20 hits and 1.8 penalties per 60, which then increased to 21 hits while reducing his number of penalties to 1.4. And then last year, the guy was averaging 22 hits per game, and he was getting less than one penalty per 60. The most interesting case study to me is Matt Martin, who's always been an extremely physical player. But when he was on the Leafs, he got penalized a lot more than when he was on the Islanders. And if you think it's because he reduced his hit totals, you're dead wrong. He's actually increased the number of hits he's doling out per game, but has reduced his penalties by one per 60. And I don't know what's going on down there in New York because the Islanders are a team that hits a lot. They dole out a lot of hits. But unlike some of these other teams, as a team, 
they do not get penalized unless your name is Ross Johnston. And that's why I'm really looking forward to talking to TJ and Grumpy Old Man from Never Say Die Podcast. Get their thoughts on the stat chat. Today on Stat Chat, I'm joined by TJ and the grumpy old man from the Never Say Die podcast. You can find them on Twitter at IslanderFansNYI and IslanderFansUnited on Facebook, as well as Grumpy Old Man has a robust presence on social media. Yes, I'd like to tell you what that is now. Okay, you've got it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Our pleasure. Yes, thank you for having us. I'm a little bit disappointed that you didn't know my catchphrase, to be honest with you. But, I, you know, I'm just going to throw it out there. You know, I expected you to be prepared. When I come on a podcast, I expect the host to be prepared. Uh, it takes me, it's taken me a long time to train TJ. I can see I'm going to have to train you too. But uh, my little tagline is, uh, there's no shame in his game because he's always the same, the grumpy old man. Thank you very much. Uh, I think you <laughs> did it better than I could have. I'm sure I did. <laughs> well, before we dive into this week's topic, I wanted to get your thoughts generally on the Islander season. What is your assessment of their performance so far this season? I can't say that I've been disappointed in the season because I didn't really have as many expectations as uh, as high expectations with the fact that we did nothing in the offseason. So I guess I kind of assumed this is where we were going to settle in as you know a team struggling for the playoffs at the tail end. Um, you know, ending before we went on the break on a seven-game losing streak uh, was not the way you wanted to be going into the finals, the the, the finals home stretch for the playoffs. Uh, Barry Trotz seems to think that you know, hey, we were rounding into form. I don't know how you can say losing seven straight games is rounding into form, but uh, I'm going to defer to him as the head coach. <laughs> yeah, and this 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 season has been an odd one for sure. Um, last year we were kind of the Cinderella story. We came out of nowhere. And we were able to really shock a lot of teams. Um, we were extremely healthy last year. We didn't really have any significant injuries to important pieces of the team. Sure, we lost a guy like Matt Martin for a few games here or there. You know, Casey Zizekas for a few games here or there with a little injury. And Thomas Hickey. But this year, we lost Adam Pellick, and, and that seriously hurt the defense. Our goaltenders were not able to put up the gaudy video game S-type numbers they put up last season. And I don't think any realistic fan could have expected them to post those franchise S type numbers like they did last year. So this is just a little bit more of a returning to normalcy. Um, And the offensive production still hasn't been here this year. And the power play production has not been here as well. Yes, that's a return to normalcy. (laughs) (laughs) So if we assume the season gets resumed at some point, and I guess that's a big assumption, you know, some sort of modified playoff system. I know there's been a lot of ideas thrown around about doing games in New Hampshire and North Dakota and stuff like that. So if if we come back, the season resumes, immediately go into a playoff situation. The Islanders, depending on how they do this, I've seen some theories about uh, 28-game play-in games and and all this stuff. Uh, You know, you can go by the current standings. You can go by uh, point percentage. There's a lot of different things. What are your thoughts on resuming the season or like these modified playoff formats and how would this affect the Islanders? Honestly, if you're an Islander fan, you're hoping for the percentage point percentage uh, aspect because that means that we make the playoffs. I think that it's going to be difficult to match up. Okay. This, these, this team is three games behind. This one has four games in hand. 
you know, how are they going to do that? I'm not really sure. I don't even think they know, to be honest with you. Uh, I almost think that the point percentage is the way to go. I do feel that you're going to have to play a few games, uh, maybe four or five games to get your legs back. That's that I think is going to be the biggest issue. I do feel that we are going to play hockey again before. I don't think they're going to scrap the season. I don't know how long it's going to be. I've heard the same things you've heard, North Dakota, New Hampshire. I know they haven't said anything about Canadian cities, which honestly, I wouldn't even be opposed to that. I think it would be fantastic. but. Uh, from my point of view, we are going to play again, and hopefully it's by point percentage. And therefore, we'll get in and probably get beaten the first round by the uh, Boston Bruins. Oh, grumpy. Well, actually, I have a little bit of a different opinion than you on this. I think this break in time period off has actually benefited the Islanders significantly. I agree. Now, Matt, I'm not sure if you know about this, but the Islanders, I think, are the oldest or the second oldest team in the NHL. So when you look at, you know, the way their team is structured, we've got some old players on there. Your, your Johnny Boychucks, our forwards, especially you look at the bottom six, they're kind of a little bit older. Um, and I think the season, the wear and tear of consecutive games, you know, night after night, putting forth 110% effort, where the Islanders are a team that really have to win based off of grit and playing a stingy style of hockey. I think that started to wear on them a little bit. And this time period that it's allowed them to get their legs back underneath them a little bit, I think actually helps them. As to how much it helps them, I'm not sure. But I do expect actually a better performance out of the Islanders, you know, if the if the playoffs do pick up in some capacities and the Islanders are included. I think we're actually going to see better performance out of them since this incident's happened as compared to, you know, our seven-game losing streak beforehand. Boston's a tough draw. I mean, what, what, just hypothetically, if that ends up being the first-round matchup, what do you got to do to beat them? Well, honestly, I'm going to tell you what. I think all bets are off. You're right. Boston was tough, but you don't know how everyone's going to come back. The one thing I will say, the Islanders, both years under Barry Trotz, to begin the season, they've always started off really, really strong. And I think you're probably going to see that again. I mean, I was just joking about, you know, the Bruins. But I think that we are going to be one of the better teams coming out of this break just because of the system that we want run and the discipline that uh, Barry Trotz demands of his players and the fact that we are getting a rest. I, I think that came, I hate to say it, you know, at a perfect time for us, but it did with the losing streak that we were on. Um, so, you know, that's just my kind of feelings on that. I kind of agree with TJ, you know, all kidding aside, that I think this definitely benefits us going into the playoffs. And to kind of break down a little bit about the age of the Islanders kind of taking an effect on them, here's just a few guys in some age that correlates with the Islanders being an older team. Johnny Boychuk, 30 years old. Leo Komarov, 33. Uh, Varlamov, 31. Josh Bailey, 30. Uh, Lee Eberle, both 29 years old. You got Nick Letty, 28. Brock Nelson, 28. And Jean-Gabriel Paggio, 27. Obviously, when you're kind of up there in the upper 20s, you know, you're around your prime, uh, you know, and then it's all downhill from there. Again, there are, of course, your anecdotes, but the Islanders are an older team and they do start off extremely hot at the beginning of the season. I mean, the first 20 games this year, they were 16-3-1. They were scoring, I think it was 3.14 goals a game, and their goals against average was a 2-4-3. And if you look at the remaining games since that extremely hot start, the Islanders were a less than 500 team. They were bottom of the barrel scoring or goals per game. And the goals they were allowing a game were much higher than that previous time period. You know, I just want to jump in real quick. TJ, I noticed you took a little shot at my age there. You know, I was, I was going to let it go, but 
I almost forgot about it because you went on such a long statistical diatribe that I almost forgot about it, but uh, it did kick back in. I don't, I don't appreciate you taking an age shot at me right away, especially in front of somebody new. Oh, grumpy. I didn't even know I did that. If it did, it just came off naturally. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. As your chuckle proves, fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> well, if we move on to the main event, and, and I thought you made a couple of really interesting points there, including Barry Trott's system, because there's something utterly fascinating about the Islanders, and that is that over the past three-plus seasons, they've delivered a lot of hits, and they've varied from year to year, but the number of penalties they take have not. I mean, they, they've been very good when it comes to not taking penalties. And they're one of the few teams in the league that managed to out-hit their opponents cons- consistently and not receive a lot of penalty minutes. If we look at the, the total number of team hits and everything from 2017 uh, to 2018 season, you know, they were in the top 10 before falling into the bottom 10 in hits last year. First of all, do you, what, what insights do you have as to how the Islanders managed to play a clean physical style of hockey so consistently. I actually am going to have a different point on you than this grumpy old man. So I know you prepared a little bit and you have some stats for Matt, um, but I actually have a different point of view. I'll add in after you're done. Okay. Well, I only borderline prepared, um, but my feeling has always been that under Barry Trotz, uh, we play a much more controlled style. We do not preach taking penalties. I think that that has, uh, that overrides everything we do. I think that, uh, you know, I know we were going to talk, we're going to get into individuals later on, but uh, I think someone that it really hurt the first year was Ross Johnston. Uh, The previous year before Barry Trotz came in, he was uh, fights every night, running people every game, picked up quite a few penalty minutes. Uh, But then when Barry Trotz came in, he was, I'm going to guarantee you, he was told to tone his game down that you're not going to play if you're in a penalty box all night. This season, he's kind of found a happy medium uh, between last year, uh, his first year where he didn't play a whole lot under Barry Trotz, honestly. And uh, the year before when uh, he was going crazy all over the ice, which I kind of appreciate anyway, this year he's kind of find a, found a happy medium. He's still not playing as much as uh, maybe he deserves. But I think that you're seeing uh, a more restraint in his game. And I think that's a direct result of Barry Trotz. I mean, and we might have hits, but we're not having bone crunching hits. Uh, I've always felt that the Islanders tend to inflate their hit stats, particularly at home. Uh, so that's, that's just kind of how I feel on that. I, I feel it's a systematic thing that has led to uh, the less amount of penalties while still being a physical team. We're pretty much, like I said, a team of grinders anyway. So our game is predicated on putting the body on other teams as opposed to skill. Yeah. And playing that stingy style of hockey. And to speak to that grumpy old man, you remember back in the dark ages for the Islanders, Kanopka used to lead the league in hits every single season. And Matt Martin was up there too. And every single broadcast, the Islanders crew would talk about, oh, wow, you know, we've got two guys delivering the most hits in the NHL. It was a big selling point. So I do think the Islanders definitely tend to, I think, inflate what technically constitutes as a hit at their home games. Uh, I'm not sure how statistically um, accurate that is, but if I had to go based off of a gut feeling, that's what I'd, that's what I'd say. Um, and to speak a little bit on a different point, Grumpy Old Man, I think the reason why, and Matt, the reason why the Islanders' penalty minutes are so low this season 
is because their power play opportunities are the lowest in the NHL by a country mile. And when you look at that, they're not going to go ahead and give a team a multitude of penalties when they're giving them essentially no power play opportunities in return. And as much as I'd like to say they try to go ahead and keep a fair and balanced approach, when you're in the box, if you're in the box for an extended time period, they have to go ahead and give you some sort of power plays in return. Okay. That makes sense. I hate I hate it when TJ comes up with a rational thought, honestly, because they're so few and far between, it's hard to respond to them. <laughs> oh, grumpy. Yeah, you know, I got to say, for, just for the record, you guys kind of remind me of Stephen A. and Max Kellerman first take style here. Well, which one am I? I I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not typecasting <laughs> anybody. I'm just saying <laughs> the dynamic feels very similar. <laughs> Well, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, you can't agree with everything that somebody says. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Now, see, I could tell you and TJ would get along great because you're the stats guy and he's the stats guy. And uh, I'm going to be honest, I'm not the stats guy. I'm the eyeball guy. So, hey, that's good to have too. Yeah, and to touch on Kanapka, you know, and Martin saying that. Well, you know, the Islanders had nothing else to sell back then besides that. You know, they were led the team in hit, the led league in hits. They had nothing else to sell. They couldn't sell the on ice products. Yeah. I, you know, during that time period, it definitely was a dark, dark time period for Islander fans. But that was the big selling point. Yeah, we throw the body around, we get in the fights. You know, even though you won't see the team win, you'll see something entertaining out there in the ice. Right, right. Well, even in more in more recent history, I mean, the last two years, last year and this year under Barry Trotz, it's been almost like the tale of two different uh, of styles in the sense that last year they weren't, uh, you know, they were bottom ten in hits. This year, they're second in the league, only behind. Ottawa Senators. What what happened this year that they've they've? Is it just because they're inflating their hit totals at home, or or what's going on between last year and this year? I honestly don't see any difference between this year's team and last year's team when it comes to the physical contact. Huh? I, I really, I mean, actual looking at it on the ice, I don't see a difference. Um, and I was I was surprised when I saw heard those numbers from you, honestly. So. Like I said, I I thought I thought I actually I felt we were more physical last year, in actual just watching games. Um, what about you, TJ? Um, grumpy. I I think maybe the reason why I don't I don't I don't think we played overly physical this year as compared to last season. But if you look at some of the personnel changes we had this off season, which you know, albeit weren't huge, we did go ahead and make some changes where, you know, we got rid of Valtteri Filppula, who, let's be honest, doesn't throw all that many checks in the grand scope of things. And we replaced him with a guy like Derek Broussard. Again, Broussard's not a guy out there, a hulking figure who's, you know, checking everybody in the boards. But, I mean, Filppula didn't throw any checks at all last season. I mean, Thomas Hickey was part of the team in makeup for, I want to say, at least 50 games last year, Grumpy, before he went out with an injury. And then Devon Taves took over. I think Devon Taves is a more physical defenseman than Thomas Hickey. So that might also contribute a little bit to that increased hit total. And this year, we've had a lot of injuries to bottom six forwards. So Casey Zizekas was out for a while. Cal Clutterbuck was out for a while. Uh, players who you know are, are definitely part of our nucleus down there in the bottom six were missing time. So these younger guys like your Cole Bardros and – um, even Michael Del Cole, when he got his extended chance, I think that's how they try to go ahead and make their name. They're up there for a shortened time period in the NHL, and they try to they try to go ahead and make their name pop. So they're going to throw the body every single time they get the chance and opportunity to, which might be the reason why we're seeing those higher hit totals than we did last year. I just want to know how you brought up the name Thomas Hickey in this podcast twice. Matt, I've got to let you know the grumpy old man hates Thomas Hickey. 
Oh, you know how I respond to Thomas Hickey and you're bringing him up not once, but twice. And he didn't play 50 games because we didn't lose 50 games last year. So you know <laughs> that he didn't play 50 games. OK, I believe he went out in uh, around Christmas time last year. So the majority, I don't know how many games he played, but it was not 50. It was probably 30 or something like that. OK. And the team went on an immediate winning streak as soon as he went out. I'm not saying there's a direct <laughs> correlation, but you just. You do the math. Well, not to call back something you mentioned earlier, but I do want to talk about Ross Johnson and Matt Martin in particular because the Islanders do have five different players averaging 12 hits per 60 minutes. Matt Martin, Ross Johnson, Cal Clutterbuck, Casey Zizekas, and Leo Komarov. And there's a real interesting dichotomy with Matt Martin and Johnson in particular because they're two of the uh, hit leaders of the past three seasons on, on the team. And Martin hasn't taken nearly as many penalties as Ross Johnson has the past season. And uh, I know you had, you had touched on this earlier, but stylistically, I don't watch a lot of Islanders games. Like, you know, looking at the numbers, they look like they're very similar in their hit totals, but what's the difference in their styles? I think Matt Martin and Ross Johnson are similar. They both play that high engine style of hockey where they're going to throw their body against people. Um, I think as Matt Martin has gotten older, I don't think he can concert that much energy. There's only so much tread on the tires. I think he doesn't fight at all anymore. He only, I think, has one fight this season. And, you know, you look back even a few years ago, that's a guy who made his bread and butter based off of fighting. Ross Johnson still definitely throws the fist every time he gets the opportunity to. But I think Matt Martin plays a more – he plays a more veteran, experienced style of hockey where it's less about conserting so much energy, more about knowing and anticipating where the play is going to be and where he needs to be positionally where Ross Johnson I don't think has that experience and knowledge yet of the game. I think obviously physical tools wise, I think Ross is just, you know, slightly an edge over Matt Martin, but Matt does a good job of keeping out of the penalty box, which is important. I don't think his first penalty came until about the 40 or 50 game mark this season. It was a minor penalty. I think he's only, now Matt, I don't know if you have the numbers polled. Does he only have seven penalty minutes this year or is it nine? I cannot remember. Uh, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I can look that up. Okay, yeah, I, I, and I remember they used to talk about it on the actual Islander pod or the Islander broadcast about how Matt Martin was doing a great job. He was never in a penalty box. I don't think he took his first penalty until about halfway through the season, Grumpy. Well, and he also only had one fight the whole year. And I think you're kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, as you get, as you, I'm not saying he doesn't fall into the goon category, uh, but he certainly, certainly, his game is predicated on the physical aspect of the game. Uh, standing up for teammates. But, you know, as you get into your 30s, you kind of don't have an appetite for that, uh, at least historically. You don't see players like that last a long time and certainly don't, uh, you know, maintain that physical aspect uh, well into their 30s. And uh, like I said, you also something else to consider. You know, Matt Martin, he's a real pretty kid, and the women just love him. Now <laughs> – I know that he's married. I believe he's married. At least I know he got married to Boomer Esiason's daughter a few years ago. And I don't know if they're still married, but maybe she's saying, hey, you know what? I don't need you taking punches to the face every night. You know, I got to look at you every every morning when you wake <laughs> up. So maybe that has something to do with you too. But you don't, honestly, you don't see guys like that continue that style. But now he's almost had a complete reversal. Um I don't think he's anywhere near the player that he was in his first run here with us or even when he was with Toronto. But once again, I'm going to tell you, I feel that Barry Trotz always impresses 
on his players, do not take stupid penalties. And uh, him being a wily veteran at this stage of his career, uh, it seems like he's picked up on that. Uh, the Ross Johnston uh, comparison, uh, I think Ross Johnson needs to play like that to have a job in the NHL. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I pulled the numbers and I have the rates. I don't have the, the totals, but uh, for every 60 minutes of even strength time, uh, Matt Martin's doling out 26 hits and he's only getting half a penalty. Uh, he's, he's been, you know, a hit leader uh, for the Islanders for, you know, the past two seasons. It's interesting because he was doing, doing the same role on Toronto, but he was getting penalized a lot more when he was on the Maple Leafs. And he's actually hit, he's hitting more uh, per 60 minutes than he was when he was on the Leafs. So I got to ask the question, uh, do the rest just like him better in orange? Well, I'll tell you what. The referee, he does talk to the refs in timeouts, in pregame. He's always talking with the refs. He's very popular. He's uh, uh, he's uh, I'm not okay. I'm not saying that the refs are on the take for Matt Martin. All right, right. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> but he certainly has a, a rep as being a uh, a personable guy for sure. Yes, there you go, personable. Good word, TJ. <laughs> I will tell you this also, Matt. I know you, you just talked about the stats, and I'm going to say those stats for penalty minutes are actually inflated because I looked more into Matt Martin's game logs this season. He's got 40 penalty minutes, and in that in that allotment, he's got one game where he had 12 penalty minutes and another game where he had 15. So Matt Martin, I know, I believe it was against the Rangers, got into a fight before the drop of the puck, which was a five-minute penalty, five penalty, and then he had a 10-minute game misconduct because he fought before the puck was dropped. So that accounted for 15 of his 40 penalty minutes. And he also received a game misconduct in that game where he had 12 penalty minutes as well. So he has definitely done a good job of not taking minor penalties or the variety of that nature. So, you know, it's definitely impressive. I do agree. If you have any final thoughts on, on Hickey in particular or anyone else that you want to, want to talk about, do you, do you have any other concluding thoughts on, on hitting and penalties in the Islanders? Well, you brought up Thomas Hickey. I'm going to come. You want to know what the highlight of Thomas Hickey's career is? What's that? I can tell you if you it's want when, to know. It's when Zdeno Ochara tripped over a stick and fell into Hickey and went down on the ice once. <laughs> that, that's what he's going to tell his grandchildren. Oh, hey, kids, I knocked Zdeno Ochara down on his butt once in my 10- or 11-year career. <laughs> Uh, I, I will give Hickey his props again. I don't think Char necessarily anticipated Hickey hitting him as hard as he did, but I mean, it was a clean check and he knocked him straight down. I mean, he knocked the giant down straight, you know, straight to his butt. So I, you know, I, I have a little bit of a different view. I don't think Hickey is a great player, um, you know, especially at his advanced age. He's, he's never really panned out where he was drafted by the Kings, but in the same token, I think he is a more than suitable number seven defenseman. He's a loser. All right. I, I, that's all I can say about him. The Islanders have a bunch of losers on their team. I don't want to bring them all up. I've talked about them numerous times. Josh Bailey, uh, you know, guys like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, going forward, I think that uh, as a team, the Islanders need to get younger. Um, we nearly, I think we made a mistake last off season, signing all of our players back to long-term deals, all guys 29, you know, 30, 28 years old. It's a mistake signing guys to long-term deals. And I think, unfortunately, that's going to hamstring us in the future, going out and getting new players. Um, so it's going to be tough times ahead for the Islanders. But we do have a very good head coach and a past his prime GM. 
so <laughs> perhaps there is some uh, future for us. Yeah, I do agree, Grumpy. Again, uh, we did go ahead and sign a lot of guys 29 years to you know 30 years old last season, the five to seven year long contracts. And if you just look at the way the NHL is constituted today, it's more of a young man's game that's predicated on speed. I know the Islanders aren't the quickest team and the most fleet of foot team on the ice, but in the same token, I mean, you know, father age catches up to absolutely everybody. So signing these, you know, veteran-esque type players to five to seven year long contracts, and you're going to have them into the, you know, mid to late thirties, it just doesn't bode well, especially when you have a lot of cap tied to those individuals. Yeah. And I'm going to, that's a TJism where he'll take some type of uh, colloquial phrase and mess it up. It's father time, not father age. Make sure you get oh, grumpy. I almost went an entire podcast without messing up one of those, but I knew you would. I mean, and the only reason is because this podcast hasn't been uh, extremely long is the only reason that, uh, because believe me, believe me, Matt, you would have messed up six or seven <laughs> other times. And as a matter of fact, you did mess up early. I just didn't call you on it. You know, I'm the uh, colloquial police around here. Well, Grumpy, somebody has to correct me because, uh, you know, you figure one day I just would rattle them all off incorrectly and maybe I'd learn. But there still, I don't think, has been a podcast where I've mastered one of those colloquialisms. Well, let me tell you something. Keeping you straight and making sure you don't mess up, that's your fiance's job, not mine. I know. She definitely has her work cut out for me, Grumpy. I'm not going to lie. I know. Believe me. I feel I my, my, feel, um, my uh, condolences go after her. <laughs> all right. Well, as I do with all my guests, I'm going to give you the floor. If you have anything you want to plug, anything you're working on, any projects, any shout outs you have, the floor is yours. Grumpy, I know you're working on a lot. What type of, what type of shout outs do you have? Uh, you know, everyone can hit any of my social media, which is nothing. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with me, just contact TJ and just reference, you know, the grumpy old man, the grumpy old man. Or you can abbreviate it as TGOM, as many Islander, Islander fans like to go ahead and abbreviate as. That's true. I should probably get, I was actually thinking about getting myself a Twitter account as I've thought about maybe doing many, many times before. But I'm like, you know, if somebody is already taking that uh, little handle there, you know, what was I going to do? What other things could I put in there? I don't know. Could I put my, my date of birth in there? I don't know what to put in there. So I'm just going to stick with no social media presence at this time, probably. I, I will tell you this, grumpy old man. Uh, if you did have a Twitter, I'd be interested to see if you'd be one of the people who can only use Twitter on a computer or if you'd be able to go ahead and access that on a telephone, <laughs> a cell phone. Well, I do have, and you know, here, Matt, you don't know this. This is the first time I've ever done a podcast where my home phone, my landline has not rung because I'm very popular. So a lot of people like to call me on my landline as well as, and I do have a cell phone actually, and it's a semi-smartphone. Wow. So, I mean... <laughs> You know, hey, let me tell you something. I'm up, I'm up in the 21st century. Yeah, right? it sounds like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but thanks so much for having us, Matt. We really do appreciate it. Um, love to be on the podcast again. Um, hopefully this time period with the coronavirus and all the craziness going around, hopefully you're staying safe. You too. Yeah, I know, I know I'm staying safe, but, you know, the grumpy old man, he's definitely one of those at-risk candidates, grumpy. How about you? Yeah, I'm just living my life the way I've always lived it. So, I mean... You know, I don't go knocking on people's doors and breathing their faces or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I'm just kind of living my life the way I always have. So no, no worries. No worries from the grumpy old man. That much. That's all I have to say. Now, TJ, you did not promote our podcast. I'm a little disappointed in you. You're usually pretty good at that. Oh, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I should have been more upfront. I was going to go ahead and do that right at the end. But the podcast. Another TJ blunder. Thank you. <laughs> um, but 
the way you can go ahead and listen to myself and the grumpy old man and all the banter that ensues is the Never Say Die podcast. And again, you can find that on any platform you listen to your podcast, whether it's SoundCloud, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can go ahead and find the, uh, the Hockey Podcast Network's version of the Never Say Die podcast. I couldn't have said it better myself, TJ. <laughs> I, I want to personally thank both you, TJ, and the grumpy old man for taking time out of your day to join me on the Stat Chat. It was an absolute pleasure, and uh, I want to wish you and the Islanders the best of luck. Thank well, you. thank you. We're definitely going to... All right, let's wrap this thing up. So as I mentioned previously on Number Crunch, there is definitely a relationship between hitting and taking penalties. It's just not very strong, and it really has a lot more to do with what team you play for or who you are. So if anything, maybe it does enforce that league-wide, there's not an extremely strong relationship between hit, you know, hitting players and taking penalties, but on a case-by-case basis, we definitely see that. And there is a stark contrast between the Ottawa Senators who lead the league in hits this year and also lead the league in penalty minutes this year and the New York Islanders who are second in the league in hits this year but are near the bottom of the league in the number of penalties that they take per game. And that's what's utterly fascinating is sure, you've got teams like Carolina, Calgary, Colorado, Toronto. They don't take a lot of penalties. They don't hit a lot either. That makes sense. The same goes for your Bostons and Chicago's who hit more and are also penalized more. But really and truly, the Islanders are an outlier. And and maybe you could throw Montreal in the mix too. Those two teams are outliers this season in that they play an extremely physical style, yet do not see their number of penalties rise. So enjoy it, New York. The refs aren't on to you yet. You can still hit people and get away with it. Enjoy it while it lasts. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. Keep an eye on the website for new developments regarding the Tableau and the data drop that I'm going to be doing. And next week, I'm going to be diving into the top heaviness of lineups. You know, you always hear this narrative that, you know, you got to be balanced. You got to have depth scoring, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to be joined by Kyle and John from the Oil Country podcast. And yeah, if you hadn't guessed it, I'm going to be talking about the Oilers. And, you know, they might know a thing or two about having a top heavy lineup. So on that note, Remember, folks, drink and think responsibly. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Ice Analytics, your source for NHL stats and analysis hosted by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at Ice Analytics, and you can find the show notes at www.statsenforcer.com. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to our feed and leave us a review.